untamed tongue, I guess. Okay, is it on the screen? Uh, James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12 is supposed to be. Oh, there we go. Here we go. Let's all stand when we read God's Word. Let's, let's read it together. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may well obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are still great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boosts to great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set out among our members as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deeply deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send forth from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce flesh. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, I just want to come to you, Lord, and ask every word said, every act done, every decision made, exactly the way you want it to be. Dr. Uh, Scott Leap and I were talking four or five weeks ago and talking about a topic I'm going to speak on, and we had come up with James chapter 3, which is one of my favorites. Uh, anyway, the, the Lord assigned the development of different aspects of spiritual truth to different apostles. For example, he gave the Apostle Paul the assignment by inspiration to develop the truth of justification by faith, Romans 5.1. And that we're saved not by works, but we're saved by faith, Ephesians 2.8.9. He gave the author of Hebrews, which we, have no, we know it's not Paul because we, we, uh, probably, it probably was Priscilla or Aquila or it might have been uh, Paulus, but whoever it was. He gave the author Hebrews the assignment to develop the doctrine of the atonement of Christ. Hebrews 2, 17 through 18. And his high priesthood, Hebrews 4. You realize in the book of Hebrews, the only time in the New Testament that Jesus is designated our high priest is in that book. No other book. Not Matthew, not any of the Gospels, not any of the Acts, not any of the historical books, not any of the prophetical books, not any of the Pauline epistles. The only time it's ever addressed is in the book of Hebrews. And so God gave the assignment to that author to write about the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. He gave the assignment to the apostle John 
to develop the doctrine of the deity of our Lord. If you look in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. So John establishes that Jesus is God. He's God the Son. He's always been from eternity past. He always has been, always will be. As a matter of fact, Dr. Charles Ryrie at Dallas Seminary would say, Jesus appears more in the Old Testament than he ever did in the New Testament, personally, through the angel of the Lord, through other manifestations, through Christophanes. But he gave that, and he gave also the assignment to John to show how great and deep the love of God is. If you look in John chapter 3, verse 16, we all know that verse, right? For God so loved the world, that term, so loved, is that God loves the world very deeply, but the biggest thing he shows his love by, tells you the rest of the verse, by giving his only begotten son. See, that's his, the biggest love that God has for us, or ever shown to a human being, is giving his son on a cross. That's the biggest love, act of love, God the Father ever showed to any of us. So we come to James. Likewise, the same, the same Holy Spirit assigned to James, the Lord's brother, half-brother, because we know that his mother was married just like Jesus, but his dad was probably Joseph, unlike Jesus, because the dad of Jesus was God the Father, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He gave this assignment to James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem at this time, the assignment to develop the practical aspects of the Christian faith. Our moral responsibility in living the Christian life. Now go back to this James guy. Pretty interesting fellow. He was a man of, of unusual character. Only man in the secular history discussed in detail, only apostle discussed in detail was James. He was called James the Just. He's a pastor of the church at Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit assigns James, the pastor there, to communicate this message to his people. And he does. And he talks about the untamed hand or tongue. Talks about that. First thing I want to say about that is, James will say here that history and life and destiny are changed by our words. Are changed by our words. He even says, refers to the, sometimes the words that we speak are comparable to Gehenna or hell. Everybody knows what Gehenna was. Gehenna was a garbage dump outside the city of Jerusalem that burned all the time. And they would, that's where the word hell comes from. That's where it comes from there. And so, and by the way, at the end of, of eternity at the end of life uh, people say well if you don't know Jesus Christ you spend eternity in hell that is not correct we spend eternity in the lake of fire because hell is thrown into the lake of fire and so that's not the final destination he gives us an illustration of that how great a matter just a little thing to bring to pass history and life and destiny are changed by our words you have a horse. He gives this illustration. A big horse. 
He can go anywhere he wants to. But if you have a little bridle in his mouth, you can take that horse anywhere you want it to go. See, it's, it's tameable by that. And so, he does that. He gives us the illustration of a horse. He gives us the illustration of a ship. The whole ship is turned by a little rudder. And that changes destinies. Uh, if you ever read history, I, I, I like to read a lot. John Paul Jones, uh, you know, the guy that's... He was going to make an attack one time upon a, a people. And at the last minute, he changed his mind, changed the, the, uh, the person to change the rudder and turn the other way. And that decision made the difference in that war. Because that, the ship changed. It's a vast fire. And a little spark is, sometimes starts a big fire. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the, a fire that's, uh, that started in, in Washington State about 15 years ago. It was started by a little thing. A bird got caught in a tailpipe of a person driving a car, and that started the fire that started the whole forest fire. So the tongue is like that. And look how he starts out in chapter 3. Look what James says. The first sentence off the bat, he says... We'll get to that, chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur stricter judgment. Now, what's unique about that? Why was he talking about tongue later on in the, in the chapter? Because how does a teacher usually communicate? By the tongue. He teaches by his tongue. And so he said, be careful what you teach. Be careful Control your tongue when you're teaching. If you don't teach the Word of God, you don't teach Scripture, you'll be stricter judgment because God's giving you the opportunity to teach. And so he starts out the whole chapter with that. Worry about your tongue. The tongue can cause a lot of different and various things. The tongue can be used to destroy and poison. That little member we have that's uncontrollable. It's uncontrollable. Now, James talks about animals later. He says, you know, we can, we can tame this animal, tame that animal. What's the main difference between an animal and a human being? The tongue. Animals can't talk. Human beings can talk. So a, an animal can be trained. It can be guided and directed pretty well be tamed but the tongue cannot be it's untamable it's untamable and so the tongue can hurt and destroy John, uh, James 3.8 says the tongue can be unruly evil full of deadly poison there are many people who have been poisoned by someone's tongue what someone has said it's a deadly poison. It's a deadly poison. There's been many people who have been burnt up because of what someone has said. Now, none of us in this room has ever witnessed a burning at the stake like they did in the New Testament, early New Testaments. But we have witnessed a person to be destroyed by the tongue of someone else, what they said about them, correct? 
And so it's, it's very destructive. It's very destructive. There are people in this world today who assassinate friends and neighbors and acquaintances by untruths, tail-bearings, vicious and evil words, sometimes and usually by half-truths, which is worse than a whole falsehood, sometimes by the arching of the eyebrow, smear from the lips, or shrug of the shoulders. There's none of us in this room, probably, none of us here, who have not felt the sting of words that's been said about us. Tons can hurt. The tongue can hurt. Dave Anderson and I started the church, the school of, uh, great school of theology. We did. And in gathering that, I was gathering the elder, uh, not the elder board, but the board of directors for that school. And I was told, don't get this pastor, this person. We don't want him on our board. Why? Because he did this and that and this and that. I said, okay. I didn't ask him to be on the board originally. I didn't ask him. And then I come out, and I found out later that what was said about him is not true. One of the greatest men I've ever met, I got him back on the, I got him on the board. See, that's the problem that we have, is that sometimes when people say something, we go, okay, it must be true. It must be true. And when I found out that wasn't true, I said, please be on our board. You can make a difference in this school. And they were. Let me give you an example. Another example. When we say something and it's not true, that needs to be examined. When I was in law school at SMU, and, and the, the whole thing about having a witness and coming to a trial is built upon a scripture in the Bible. And that scripture is Proverbs. Have we got that one? 17? Maybe not. We got Proverbs anywhere? Okay. Look at Proverbs 18, 17. The first to plead his case seems right. When someone comes to you and they tell you a rumor or a, you know, something about somebody else, but look what it says later. It says until another comes and examines him, examines what that person said. That's what the law, that's what, that's what a court system is all about, correct? Well, he said this. Wait a minute. Let's look at the other side and see what they said, and let's now decide which one's right, which one's true. See, if we practice that in our lives, because sometimes we will hear things from people, and we go, wow, I've done it myself. Everybody's done it. And I go, wait a minute, I'm going to test this. If I had done that with the grade school of theology, I would have saved me six months. But I didn't do that. I just said, well, he must be right. He must be the right thing to, to do. See, Proverbs says, 
the first to plead his case seems right. Seems, the word there seems. Until another comes and examines what he said, examines him. And we need to make that a practice of our lives. Is to see what somebody has said. Is that really the way it really is? And that would save us a lot of heartache. And that would save that person a lot of heartache. Illustration I'll give you. I got this out of, uh, I don't know if anybody ever read Stott, John R. Stott. Anybody read him? Okay. Well, he's a great author. I love him. He was saying about a lady came to her pastor. And she said to him, I would think, and now, do you not think that if I lived beautifully, stayed away from evil thoughts, and deeds, others would love me, and like white feathers, like an angel's wing would be around me. And the pastor looked at her and said, that's great, but there will always be people who like to shoot blackbirds, thinking it's a white angel. See, that's what happens. You need to be aware of that. James writes of the effect of our words upon everyone. We cannot get away from the unkind word. All of us have felt it, and the sting of hurt of it. Sometimes it can be disastrous. James 3.9 says, With the same tongue we bless God, and with the same tongue we curse men. Now, isn't that kind of amazing? The same tongue that we, we bring to the throne of grace to our Father, that same tongue that we speak words there, that same tongue will allow us to go to and curse other people. And it shouldn't be that way, John says. I mean, James says. Same voice, same words, same tongue. We approach. Why do we do that? Because the tongue is untamable. You can't just tame it and this goes away, you have to always be on guard what you say and what we do. Tongue is a fire. It defiles a whole body. And the key to it is this. It's just like sin. You know, I, I, was, I was over a men's ministry at, at uh, and you guys know it, at Wood's Edge, a lot of men come up to me and say, you know, I did this and I did that or I had this deal on the side or I had that thing, whatever. And I sinned. And I said, you know the biggest ones you sinned against is yourself. Is yourself. Huh? Yeah, you did. And they said, well, you know, I, I, my wife and I, we weren't getting along well. And I said, well, when you sinned against that woman you married, guess who you sinned against? Yourself. Because when you became married, you became one. And so all of a sudden, you I did. I sinned against myself. Yeah, yeah, you did. See, if we spread a rumor or gossip or something like that with other people, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting ourselves by doing that. See, same thing. And by the way, forgiveness... You know, I've heard it said that when we commit a sin, that's what I try to do. You go to that person you committed a sin against and you ask them to forgive you. That's number two. 
go to God first of all and ask him to forgive you. That's number one. But you know the hardest one to forgive of a sin is ourself. That's the hardest one. I've seen men and women who have not been back in ministry after years and years and years because they fell, because they did this or that or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. And they've not come back to ministry because they have not forgiven themselves. And so we've got to always do that in our personal lives. Go first, first thing. Ask God to forgive you. And he will. He promises that. Go to the person or situation. Ask them to forgive you. They will. I'll make it up the best way you can. But then at the last, forgive yourselves. Because if we don't do that, we can't go forward. And the thing about with the tongue is that when we defile somebody or hurt somebody, we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. Think of a beautiful girl, you know, when you're growing up. Think of a beautiful guy when they're growing up, how beautiful they are. To show you how uncontrollable the tongue, how it affects each one of us. Now, I've seen both. I was one of those good-looking guys. <laughs> and the lady I married, she was a cheerleader, so she's one of those good-looking girls. But this is the key. If you listen to their language and they use bad language or they use their tongue in a bad way, what do you think about that person? They're not beautiful anymore. They're not handsome anymore. See, it affects them whenever they use that kind of things. See, a beautiful guy, a beautiful woman, beautiful boy, a nice-looking guy can be changed just by what they say. Remember, what we say has consequences. And we cannot take it back. Same pastor, Stott was mentioned, he said, a woman came up to him and says, Pastor, I have done wrong. He said, what would you do? He said, I talked about someone that kind of half truth. It wasn't really all the truth. Pastor said, what I do, Pastor? Okay, do this. Take some white feathers, go by the street, throw them out on the street, and leave them there. And she said, okay. She came back. She said, now what do I do? And he said, go pick up all those white feathers and bring them back. She said, I can't do that. They've already been blown away. He said, that's what it is when we say something that's not right. We cannot unsay it. We can't because it's already blown away. See, that's what, how the tongue. He said, you cannot gather back all the words you said. It is uncontrollable. When you say it, you can't go back and pull it back. You can't unsay it. Then what should I do? And the pastor said to the lady, ask God to forgive you. Go to the person you offended, ask them to forgive you, and forgive yourself, and go on. That's all we can do. But the tongue can cause that. And then James closes 
with the tongue, then we bless God with it, and we hurt men with the same tongue. Isn't that kind of amazing? We bless God, and how do we bless Him? By praise, by singing worship songs, by doing this, by saying how great you are, God, you know, all these kind of things. With that same tongue, what can we do? We go out and we hurt a person, correct? We go out and we curse a person. Let's see how James, how he addressed that. Look in the book of James at the very last there, the end of, the, end of James. And do we have it up there? Look at that. Verse 9. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Now that's one reason, by the way, we should never curse men, correct? Because why? They're made in God's image. And he's very, very protective of his kids. I, I, had, I was going to high school, and this girl's a Christian. And she, I, I came up to her, and I said something about her. And she said, you know, you're saying something about God's girl, and he don't like that. And he'll take care of you, boy. I said, ooh, okay. <laughs> anyway, but look what, look what he said. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the, same mouth, from the same mouth came both the blessing and curse. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Here's how he explains it. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. What's James saying there? It's unnatural. We bless God with our mouth and then we curse men with the same mouth. That's unnatural. That's not the way God made it for it to be. Just like with the olive tree, it can't produce another kind of fruit that it wasn't made for. Or salt water can't produce fresh water. It's not natural. See, the way that God made us was to bless God and to bless other people. Not bless God and curse other people. Not bless God and hurt other people. See, it's not... What does Paul speak of in, in Romans chapter 1? Everybody remember that? Paul sp talks about what? The unnatural person doing this or that. This is the same thing James is talking about. If we bless God, but we curse man, or we, the tongue hurts another person, what have we done? The unnatural thing. Just like if a person goes out in Romans chapter 1 and does this, but he does it unnaturally, that, same thing. See, when we bless God with our tongue and we curse men with the same tongue, we are doing an unnatural act that God describes as unnatural because he makes that illustration. James says, how can a salt water produce fresh water? It can't. It's not, it wasn't made to do that. We're not made to bless God, go to the throne of grace, that great God you are. Then with that same tongue, we go out and we hurt another person with that same tongue. That's not natural. That's not what God designed us to do. See, and so that's what James is writing about. We cannot get away from the unkind word. All of us have felt it, the sting and hurt of it. Sometimes it can be disastrous. 
but it wasn't set out to be that way. See, if we only live the way that God wants us to live and do the right things and do the natural things he made us for, we're okay. But if we do things that he didn't make us for to do, then we're not okay. I see that. And our tongue wasn't made to curse man and bless God too. It was made to bless God and bless others with our lives. That's the tongue. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Church, how would we feel if all of our conversations this week, everything we said to anybody, was recorded? Everything we say. How would we feel? It was <laughs> it's recorded. That's what I said, recorded. How do we feel if it's recorded, everything we did this week, and played back to everybody important in our lives what we said that week? How do we feel? Can we say, hey, all I did this week was bless God. I blessed other people. Or we'd have to say, I blessed God here. I came to the throne of grace and I asked him, Forgive and whatever he, you know, you do it through the grace, ask forgiveness, praise, you know, supplication. But then I said something not really correct about my neighbor. No, we wouldn't want that to be done, right? We would not want that to be done. So I think all week long or all the time we need to decide, we need to think about this. What if every word we said, everybody, was recorded? And played back to us. How would we st- how would we feel? That's the key. Would it be that we could say, okay, we bless God, we bless other people, and we live the way God wants us to live, and we're pleasing to Him, or could we say, we bless God, that was the right thing to do, natural, but we did an unnatural thing, and that was curse other other people. See, that's the thing. See, the Lord has a order that he wants us to live by and that order is that he made us for certain and various things to do those things and to live that way and we don't live that way we're doing unnatural things and when we bless God with our mouths and our tongue that's good we curse other people or we hurt other people with our tongue that's unnatural And that's what James is doing. James was given that assignment. You know, it's kind of amazing. I'm kind of looking back at James. I've studied James a little bit. There's four James in the New Testament, by the way. This is James, the half-brother of our Lord, that wrote this book. But I'm going to James. I'm going, I'm looking at him. I'm going, what insight the Lord gave you? What insight he gave you when he gave you these words? By inspiration, of course. All the Word of God is inspired from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, correct? It's all inspired in the original manuscripts. But when he gave this word to James, what did he want James to do with it? Why does he give us the Word of God? So we can live by it. So we can do what we need to do by it. 
so we can be the people we, he wants us to be by it. And when we upset that apple cart, per se, when we do something that's not in the Word, and we do something that's not right, we're doing something unnatural. He, we're doing something he did not make us to do. He did not make us for to do. And so he's saying everyone, and this is a, this is a, we all have this problem, everyone, tame your mouth, tame our tongue. And it's always bless God and bless other people. That's, what, that's the main message of James chapter 3. Let me, let me dismiss this in prayer here right quick. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Father, because, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. There's none like you. We search the world over, Father. We can never find one as beautiful and lovely and as great as you are, Father. And, Father, you are so beautiful, Lord. Father, we ask you that to help us Help us tame our tongue, which to man is untamable. But with you, we can do it. If we keep in your word, we keep your word in our heart, and before we say something, we go, is that the thing that God made me to do, made me hard to do? And that will stop us a lot of times from doing the unnatural thing. Father, thank you for everyone here, Father. Lord, thank you for all the people who came this morning. Father, we ask you to bless and do what all you can do, Father. And Lord, we want to pray one other thing about a man's mouth or his tongue. Father, there may be some here today that might need to confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart God raised him from the dead. Now, that's honoring God with our tongue. We ask, we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe that God had raised him from the dead. That's what the tongue was made to do. If you haven't done that today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you to do that. Use the tongue to make that confession. Use the tongue to ask God to save you. And that's what God wants for a person who does not know Jesus Christ today. And that'd be my prayer. If anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ at today, Romans 10, 9 says, Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in the heart of God, raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. So that's using our tongue for the highest, for the highest thing we could ever do is when we ask God to save us. And so if you haven't done that today, I invite you to do that. And Father, we just, again, thank you, Lord, for the time. Please bless our lives today. Take care of us. Do all you can do in our lives, Father. We ask these things in that one that's altogether lovely, that one that has a name above every other name, our precious Lord Jesus. Amen.